there's just more space for everyone yeah. in Nitome than there is compared to the UK, which is surprising. Yeah, it has the highest concentration of gay bars in mm-hmm. the world. That's good. I didn't yeah. know that. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, Nitome, as you said, is the heart of the LGBT community in Tokyo, at least. Femin Tokyo Podcast, where we talk intersectional feminism with the feminists of Japan. Episode 6, LGBTQ, Japan, and us. Hello, Becky. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm quite good. Thanks for coming for the podcast. Uh, we're going to record today the episode 6, talking about LGBTQ communities and their struggles here in Japan. And before we start uh, talking about that, do you want to introduce yourself quickly to us? Sure. Um, so my name is Becky. I'm 25. Um, I've been living in Tokyo for almost four years and my sexual orientation is lesbian, gay, queer, all of those labels are good with me. <laughs> yes. I guess I should mention also that just for uh, just to position myself on the spectrum also, uh, that I am a cisgender and I'm straight, uh, which is why I'm so lucky to have been able to speak with you and Yoshi previously to talk about LGBTQ, uh, AI plus communities, because I don't know much about it because I don't experience it. And that's the reason why it's important. I don't speak about it by myself. So one of the first topic I wanted to uh, mention with you is the whole fact that I, I had the impression after living for seven years in Japan that I don't see the LGBTQAI plus, um, you know, matters and, and, and problems being raised in Japan a lot. I don't feel like we talk about it a lot in Japan. And I'm saying this because I noticed that this year, uh, for the Pride Month that happened in, in June, I could not see many companies, uh, you know, trying to raise awareness about that month. So I think it is still quite taboo. Um, for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. um, one of the first being that I feel like, like Japanese people, they don't want to talk about politics, anything controversial. Mm-hmm. They don't want to disturb the peace in the conversation. And I think this leads to taboo topics becoming even more taboo because just no one's speaking about them like you were talking about with uh, companies supporting the LGBT community, I think that companies don't really feel the same pressure as they do in the West to be supportive. Um, So for many companies in the West, they feel like, oh, maybe we will lose customers if we are not supportive of the LGBT community. Whereas I feel like in Japan, that's less of a concern. It's more of a risk for them to support the LGBT community because they are not expected to take a political stance in the same way companies in the West are expected to. It might actually be the opposite here in Japan is that I feel like 
some companies might fear they might lose customers and lose mm. support if they actually openly support LGBTQIA plus uh, community. Because I think you're right that the fact that the Japanese culture does not encourage confrontations is uh, a problem in terms of engagement. Like literally this year, the only company I saw trying to do that and to show support for the LGBTQIA plus community um, was Lush. You know, mm. it's British actually. Yeah, it's it British. is British. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you noticed any other company showing support this year. Um, I think Family Mart did socks. They did. It was amazing. Huge yeah. socks, right? Like really high up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some. <laughs> I actually did too. And like, they're pretty good. They're, they're good quality mm. and they have like LGBTQ um, flag on it. I yeah, think. they yeah. have like rainbow stripes on it. Yeah, you know, and Family Mart being uh, a Japanese company makes it even even better. And I can say that in my family marts, in my area, I wanted to get a second pair of socks and it was sold out. So it's the proof that a lot of people are buying into those kind of uh, supportive movements. Mm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what is the Pride Month actually? Um, yeah, so Pride Month um, is primarily an American thing mm -hmm. um, where... A lot of um, pride parades in America were happening in June. So June became Pride Month and then that sort of spread internationally. But even like from my own experience, I came out in 2012. So I've kind of been a part of the LGBT community for 10 years. Yes. And it only really started uh, spreading to the UK a few years ago maybe five or six years ago mm -hmm. from what I can remember um, yeah it's not been like a traditionally worldwide phenomenon until more recently I feel mm -hmm. so um in terms of it coming to Japan I think it's even more recent it's a bit delayed mm -hmm. yeah because uh Tokyo Rainbow Parade is in April or May so it's well before June Pride Month so yeah so one of the controversial things this pride was that a international insurance company uh, became a platinum sponsor of Tokyo Rainbow Pride this year. There was some controversy because a couple a Japanese couple who were working at another booth saw um this insurance agency and started making a fuss because they were not recognized as partners um, in order to use their spouse plan. Mm, to subscribe to one of their insurance plan, huh? Right. And yet this company is an official sponsor. Right, All yeah. Right. So you would think if they are the highest level of sponsor at a pride parade that they would be doing their part in order to support their LGBT community in their uh, work place and like mm -hmm. policies. And yet they haven't. Yeah. And, um, but I hear things have changed a little bit since then in the last couple of months, they've, you know, if they've responded to this and have said that the yes, critics. We okay. should have been recognizing same-sex couples under this policy. It's just been difficult to shift the current insurance policies. 
if you're going to be a sponsor of the Pride, make sure you do re your research on that and make sure if you're going to sponsor it that you're already a company that's actually friendly to LGBTQAI plus community before you become a sponsor. If not, maybe don't be a sponsor, you know, because that's a bit hypocrit hypocritical of mm -hmm. them, I think, to do that. We won't mention the name, but it is a French company. So that proves that Japan is not the only country that still has a lot of work to do. Another point I wanted to, to discuss today is we see more and more proofs being uh, leaked into social media as Twitter and stuff, because Twitter is very active in Japan. We see more and more proofs of you know, political groups officially pushing back against LGBTQIA plus matters. One example being the Shinto Seiji Lenmei that we saw this year, and we saw a pamphlet of them officially explaining why we should not uh, help and support LGBTQIA plus community. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I saw it on uh, Japanese Twitter. Um, I saw that there was a 90-page pamphlet um, being shared around LDP lawmakers mm -hmm. um, that just condemned the LGBT community that had such antiquated talking points that you'd think by now we've gotten past mm -hmm. but 2022 it was, right right exactly mm -hmm. so you know it was saying things like being lgbt is a mental disorder mm -hmm. um that uh as part of the mental disorder you're more likely to commit suicide and denied that it had anything to do with the fact that LGBT people are mar marginalized in community. Yeah. Like, it's so ridiculous. And it pushed things like conversion therapy working. This is not new. You know, this kind of uh, theories has been used so many times in Western countries. And it's sad to see... Um, Japan doing the same thing of look how miserable they are we have to save them this is why they're committing suicide it's because the LGBTQA plus no it's because they're repressed and mm. discriminated against this is why uh, some of them can be miserable not all of them so yeah I've seen that pamphlet as well it's shocking to know that this is being distributed openly without any backlashes uh, we saw a little bit on Twitter this time, right? Mm. Yeah, I did see quite a lot of Japanese people talking about it on Twitter and talking about how, you know, disgusting it is that mm -hmm. this is being shared um, amongst lawmakers. But there's so little we can do about it. It's it's good to see we're starting to see a backlash, at least a social media media backlash. Right, you know? right. And I think there were protests um, outside yes. the diet after this, but... You know, with, with comments made in the past, only recently, LDP members were saying things like being LGBT is completely unnatural. Yeah, it's just frustrating yeah. to see the people in power having these attitudes and feeling so powerless against it. In the UK, like, there's so much transphobia in the media. Oh, yeah. And a lot of uh, the people who are, well, currently, as we're recording this, uh, Boris Johnson has stepped down. And yes, we did. are looking for a new prime minister. Yes. 
And um, yeah, a lot of the potential candidates for our next prime minister are openly anti-trans and are, you know, threatening to take away various rights, rights, Mm -hmm. um, which I really just see as a slippery slope to all LGBTQ identities. And, you know, clearly just because more people in the UK are talking about trans issues as a negative thing Mm -hmm. it's more acceptable and so I do see there is some sort of comparison here between the UK and Japan it's just Japan can get away with it more yeah that's that's really what's going on I think associations are stronger in western countries Uh, we have quite a few in France that are fighting back against discrimination and I think this is one of the weak points of Japan. I don't see a lot of strong enough uh, yeah, associations happening here who can protect LGBTQAI plus communities. Mm. They're here. Uh, I've seen a few, but they have very little power to change things. And I, I do agree with your point of saying that the transgender people being always hit the hardest anytime the LGBTQAI plus communities hit. They're, most of the time, they're the first one to take the hit. Right. And then the rest follows. So it's definitely important to keep an eye out for them as well. It's not like both you and I were not uh, involved with the discrimination. We're not impacted by the discrimination against uh, transgender people. But it's part of the community, you know, and we mm-hmm. should definitely support exactly. them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are our siblings. Mm-hmm. That's the community. We need to protect them. Yeah. One of the consequences of the political life impacting Japan so much in terms of LGBTQIA plus segregation and discrimination is that you see those discrimination happening every day in Japan in the normal life, the daily life. Things like gay marriage still not being allowed and recognized recently being openly declared as not against the constitution um, by Osaka, uh, an mm-hmm. Osaka legal court. So that's a step back, even though I think you were mentioning before that a few cities do recognize same-sex official, what is it, relationship? Thing. Yeah, it's called a partnership oath system in English. Right. Uh, which is not marriage, but some kind of... L- legal-ish All right. um, recognition of a your status as a couple. Right. Does it help with anything, though, that, that partnership? Does it grant it's, you? It's down to the company or organization. It's not legally enforced. So if you are looking to visit your partner in hospital, right. it's, it's down to, to the, the hospital. hospital as to whether they recognize that relation to that partnership or not yeah so it's not great uh no no it's it's it also doesn't cover things like um inheritance Mm -hmm. and uh other like tax related benefits that straight people benefit from japan is the only g7 country still not you know recognizing same-sex marriage so it's a it's a big issue it's very late Right, yeah, and it's very difficult for uh, LGBT people to have families here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know that uh, adoption by same-sex couples is not allowed. Yes. However, there have been some instances of like uh, being legally allowed to foster children, but it's not widely done. Uh, you can like adopt your partner's child if they've previously had a child or if you have a child as a single person via IVF or something like that you can do what is referred to in English as a second parent adoption okay uh but that sounds complicated it's 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 complicated it's not easy it's and by default if that's the case then it won't be done very often exactly Uh, so It's really a major problem right now in Japan that it's being talked more and more, I feel like, and that's good. Um, Things like easy stuff like renting an apartment together, buying a house together. Yeah, housing has been very difficult for queer couples, uh, so much so that there are housing companies that specifically help LGBT people find housing so that they don't have to go through as many rejections Mm -hmm. and they can... Uh, get them in touch with real estate companies who do accept LGBT partnerships. So the fact that this even exists is very sad. Is yeah. is so sad, and it just makes life for LGBT people that much harder. It should be legal, legally enforced that all housing agencies should not discriminate. You know, based on uh, your sexuality or your gender. One of my friends right now, um, who's he's not married to his partner, but what they did is that they declared themselves as roommates. Mm. That's how they finally managed to get an apartment. Right, yeah. I've had friends who uh, have been looking for apartments with their partner, and as soon as they found out they were a couple and not roommates, they mm. were immediately denied, even though they were like right like at the point of like signing the contract. I've had the occasion to actually come with you recently, but also before that with a, a couple of other friends, to the wonderful place that is Shinjuku Nichome, which is um, a part of Shinjuku. Nichome is actually divided in, in several dis- different districts, but the Nichome one, the second district it would be, is kind of um, a very positive, very a live place for LGBTQIA plus community. I feel like I really have this image of Shinjuku Nichome being big, alive, very positive, full of activity. London has one lesbian bar. There is one, in fact, I think it's the whole of the UK. It's the only lesbian bar we have. Oh my God, I'm so surprised One in London. Whereas in Nichome, I've been to, I don't know, quite a few lesbian exclusive places and you know there's even like uh bars especially for trans people to go to yeah um and there's just more space for everyone in Nitome than there is compared to the UK which is surprising yeah it has the highest concentration of gay bars in Mm -hmm. the world that's good I didn't know that that's amazing uh, yeah, Nichome, as you said, is the heart of the LGBT community in Tokyo, at least. Um, and it is full of LGBTQ venues and 
uh, it's part of the thing that I think makes it so great is that it has something for pretty much everyone. Yeah. There's cafes, there's like small shops, there's bars, there's dance clubs, there's drag shows, yeah. there's mm. um, like small little snack bars where you can mm-hmm. go talk to the bar staff. Yeah, the snack bar is a, is a huge. Uh, it's a huge part of the culture in Japan with mm. the the food industry. It's those very tiny, tiny bars, restaurant. It's not called a restaurant because they cannot serve. They're not legally allowed to serve full on course menu kind of thing. They're only allowed to serve alcohol and tiny food dishes on the on the side that they call snacks, which is mm-hmm. where the name is coming from. Yeah, I've actually been to a few, not just in Tokyo, but elsewhere as well so uh yeah the ones that i've been to have had like a really great atmosphere um yeah i've become friends with the bar staff Mm -hmm. and i still have like some of them on instagram (laughs) i think those are safe spaces so it's it's really good to see them in tokyo right and somewhere else too right it's not just tokyo who's uh, offering those spaces right no no i've actually been to snack bars in osaka i went to a lesbian snack bar and a drag queen snack bar and i also went to uh, a tiny little snack bar in aomori um i think aomori has two gay venues <laughs> uh i went there with my friends for new year's a couple of years ago and it was so much fun the vibe in them is just really like welcoming friendly and um in terms of like comparing that to um straight snack bars that i've been to mm-hmm. i felt kind of like preyed upon yes absolutely it, it is something that concerns me whenever I step into Nichome, being a straight woman. I do, I am aware that straight people going into the space, those safe spaces for LGBTQA+, can be an issue sometimes, depending on who goes there and for, for what reason. Because it, even me, when I went into, I, with you, when I went to Nichome, um, I started talking to a guy assuming he was gay because I was in the in the LGBTQA plus uh, bar and we hugged and stuff because I was like, right, or this is safe, right? Only to discover three minutes later that the buddy was straight and he was here with his straight uh, dudes. And, you know, me being straight is one thing, but I could see how it could be a problem for members of the community. And Right now, with less uh, foreigners, foreign tourists being able to enter Japan, maybe it's getting a little bit better in Nichome, but I did notice that a lot of straight people know that Shinjuku Nichome is a fun place. It's a great place to party. And I don't know about them stepping into those those you know safe spaces for the mm, community. Right, yeah. Last time I was in Nichome, I was um, at a bar with some of my... Um, queer women friends Mm -hmm. and there was this straight man going around and trying to hit on women there which i was like buddy you are do you know (laughs) where you are it's like (laughs) this is the the less i don't know what they're thinking i'm like do you assume you're going to make them change their mind is that what you're thinking do you think that you can convert lesbian women into i think they just assume that there are straight women there 
because they feel safe yeah yeah because they feel safe which then makes it less safe for queer women and everyone really but yeah especially queer women I, I do feel like for me, my personal policy is to go if I'm the minority, like if in mm-hmm. the group it's mostly LGBTQI plus people and they want to go to Shinjuku Nichome, then who would I be to be like, no, I want to go to a straight place or something. Then I would come, but it's something to keep in mind. And I, I do think that a few places actually in Shinjuku Nichome and other places around Japan might kind of have like a policy of uh try to avoid getting too many straight people in if they can but like how do you it's it's very difficult to enforce Mm -hmm. like um i know in the uk there's a big problem with queer women being excluded from lgbt spaces because they don't look gay right whatever that means which you know they don't look lesbian enough what does what does that even mean and um yeah so i in a way i'm like it's so difficult to enforce and also maybe you're closeted Mm -hmm. and you're going there to to experience gay culture for the first time maybe you're curious and you're not sure about yourself yeah or maybe you are queer but you only have straight friends and you want Mm -hmm. to take your friends along so you're not alone this is a, a gray area with those trade buddies coming. Most of them just want to have fun and make fun of uh, LGBTQI plus communities like drag queens and stuff. From what I've seen in Shinjuku Nichome, I've seen a lot of guys like that just clapping themselves, each other on the back, being like, do you see that dude dressed as a woman or stuff like that? So I, I'd be a bit wary of straight guys coming in a group to Shinjuku Nichome. Mm. But it's just, it's like you're saying, it's difficult to draw the line. Right, right. And I, I, I'm i with you. I think, um, you know, if you're with queer people, then I think it's fine. If you're there to make a spectacle of LGBT people, if you're there treating it like it's a zoo, mm-hmm. then no. You're in, you're in the wrong, for you sure. Should, you should not be there. Yeah. This is not a place for you. One of the ways I've seen... Uh, gay bars in Japan trying to tackle this problem of straight tourism uh-huh. is um, by excluding people explicitly at the door. So um, many places in Nichome have policies where they do not allow women into uh, gay-only spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's fine because they might be a more sexually explicit place right um like i know nichome has a lot of bathhouses uh-huh. and uh bars that have a lot of sexual activity going right. on aimed at like gay men aimed, so aimed at gay you men, could so. see why cisgender woman and there would be right it's, not in it's, the right spot it's not it's not a space for lesbians and that's yeah. fine so I think the fact that we have our own spaces in Nichome makes it fine for them to say, this bar is just for gay, gay men. men. So that they can find their fun in it. But would you say that the lesbians bar are also kicking out men? Cisgender yes. men? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, many of the lesbian bars are specifically women only mm-hmm. or they have um, women only nights. So on certain days men are not allowed in yeah i think it i think it's fine to do it that way but i do think one of the problems is that 
some bars have a no foreigner policy. Right. Which is frustrating as a foreigner who lives here because, you know, you don't know whether said foreigner speaks Japanese or not. And I think that's one of the main reasons why they're being excluded is because the people there, they don't want them to have this anxiety of, oh, but I can't speak English. Right. I think that's the language thing, but it's also, what's wrong with like a gay man entering who does not speak Japanese? You know, as long as they're connected um, for the gay community, why not? I think it's linking to what you were mentioning in the beginning, the straight tourism. is the straight mm. people coming to Nitrome to have fun at the expense of the LGBTQI plus community. Those are complicated. Like restaurants and bars excluding foreigners is not new in Japan. Uh, it's not just Shinjuku Nichome exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a matter of bubble. It is a matter of uh, keeping tourists out. I think with tourists not being allowed to enter Japan for the past three years, mm-hmm. you know, every foreign person who is here lives here. Yeah. So... It's frustrating to see those kinds of policies that were originally aimed at tourists continue throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. While there are no tourists, everyone here belongs to Japan. Yeah, Yeah. everyone here is a resident. Everyone should have the same rights to enter certain spaces, especially LGBTQ foreign people who, you know, may not have a community in Japan Mm -hmm. and they may be looking to find that, you know? It's already hard enough to be a foreigner in Japan. Uh, if on top of that you're part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's important for them to be able to find that safe space as well. Just by, you know, excluding people based on looks, which is what this foreign discrimination is, mm-hmm. because I'm sure a lot of like Chinese or Korean people who can pass as Japanese mm-hmm. would enter those spaces and you know if their Japanese level is high enough they're able to stay but if you are black if you're white Mm -hmm. you know if you're Southeast Asian yeah it's immediate are immediately going to be refused one other point maybe the last one for today was I was a little bit curious to hear about your experience as a member of the LGBTQI plus community, both in the UK and in Japan. Do you have something to share with us, like some some things you thought were similar or not, you know, some stuff that marked you? Yeah, so one of the things that first jumps out to me mm-hmm. is that when I compare my life in the UK to my life here in Japan, I feel a lot more pressure to um stay in the closet especially in the workplace um while some of my foreign co-workers know that i'm queer Mm -hmm. none of my japanese co-workers do yeah um at least at my current company and Mm -hmm. my current co-workers some of my old japanese co-workers i have come out to uh, but they are younger than the one the people that I currently work with, uh-huh. and so uh, yeah, I feel like if I were to come out in the workplace, that I would 
experience a lot of microaggressions I feel like I don't want to deal with that it's just not safe huh it's yeah it's it's not safe although there are legal protections against discrimination Mm -hmm. of lgbt people and i would have a right to you know contact hr about any problems it just opens up a lot more room for issues yeah whereas in the uk i've been able to be a lot more open about who i am Mm -hmm. um like i came out in high school when i was 14 or 15 um and like didn't really experience much like really much homophobia at all by my peers yeah yeah you know i am 25 and gen (laughs) z so maybe that's context but um comparing the two experiences is really like night and day i do feel like here i have to be a lot more careful about what i say mm-hmm. you, you hide it here yeah right? yeah you know i, mean? I do feel like i have to hide it and i hide part of myself too yeah if you hide who you are uh, as a queer person you're hiding a huge part of who you are already right and, yeah and it is i think you would be microaggressions to work every day already in a company that's not supportive you know mm. of, of those communities yeah well i think like there is a lot less um like hate crimes there's a lot less physical aggression towards the lgbt community when compared to the uk yeah which does have a alarmingly rising trend when it comes to Mm. um lgbt physical hate crimes Mm. while japan might be safer in that regard i think socially i'm more likely to be met with backlash hesitation people saying oh i don't want to work with you i was mentioning my friend before in the in my company right now he's definitely not out at all at the company just to me because we got drunk together once after work and you know it's kind of sad to i was a bit saddened to kind of notice one episode uh, between my colleagues my team where uh, I mentioned my colleague, my my gay colleague, and I did hear a small remark of being like, "Well, you know, kind of like the Japanese equivalent of saying, oh, you know, he's from that side." Mm. So what really saddens me is that I'm pretty sure a lot of my colleagues know, and I'm pretty sure it's being discussed behind his back. Yeah, I've had similar actually similar experiences um, where Japanese coworkers have asked me whether certain foreign male co-workers of mine are queer and in some of the cases the the answer has been yes and in some of them it's been no mm-hmm. and i am just like you shouldn't be asking me no. this question no, because it puts me in the position where you know i either have to out them or lie but japanese people they don't have this sort of etiquette they don't have yeah. they don't have the they don't realize that that is a bad question to ask. They don't yeah. realize the position that you're being put in by them asking that. They just want the excitement of having a yeah. They want to gossip. A, they just want to gossip, or they want to, you know, live their BL fantasies. It's really not something that should be asked in a professional uh, environment. Not something should be asked in a personal environment either. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's even worse on the workplace. It's also funny that 
no one ever suspects me <laughs> as the gay one. Right. This is another microaggression towards you is that people assuming you're straight by yes. default. Yes. And yeah, even within Japan, the whole idea of what a lesbian looks like within the lesbian community is, is different. In the West, there's certain stereotypes, uh, fashion trends within the queer community that we all kind of know to look for. Yeah. In Japan, it's kind of a lot more underground and it's harder to find um, those sort of signifiers of what a queer person actually looks like. Yeah. And yeah, it was hard for me to kind of go from the West where things are a lot more clear and there's more open culture and discussion among like what queer people are dressing like, mm. etc. Compared to Japan where things are more subtle and um, even things like boyish styles are popular mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean you are queer in any way. Yeah. You can still dress androgynously. You can still have short hair and it not be a signifier of queerness. This is a great point. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm seeing lots of Japanese having Japanese women having very short hair. Mm. So it's really you're right, I think, that Japan has a different definition of the stereotype of what is a lesbian woman and actually what is a gay man because I think we know by now that for example something like makeup for men here with the young generation anyway if you look at the you know the Korean boys band and stuff is a little bit more tolerated I've seen the other day a young guy uh, in his 20s probably wearing like nail polish having earrings there's this trend right now in mm. Japan that I love it's a, it's a fashion trend for Japanese guys that's that only seen this year which is wearing a, a pearl necklace have you seen that mm -hmm. and and they look great it's great yeah I'm pretty sure that comes from like the western queer community probably right because it's been around that's the first time I've been seeing it in Japan and the, the thing like the lines are a bit blurred here yeah. with those stereotypes absolutely We might have to stop here because uh, sadly I cannot make an episode of three hours long, which I feel like would be necessary talking with you because we can keep on talking for hours. So I'll stop here. Thank you so much for coming to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. It was really great. Your, what you have to say is really precious and I really feel lucky to have been able to express you know, a lot of your concerns here on the podcast today. So I'll see you around maybe in Nichome. Yes.